Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to give my second message in this series, Night Vision. Night Vision, Matthew chapter 2. Let's read a couple of verses here. Uh, as, as we get started, and, and I really believe we're going to learn some things, be reminded of some things that are very pertinent to where you may be in your spiritual journey, something that's critically important to that. So, so let's look at a couple of verses here. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the reign or the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. Now, how did they know to be there? What happened? They said, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we have to understand the star was just their direction to Jesus. They had come for Jesus. They said, we want to find this Jesus. We we want to see this one. That has come to the earth. And the star was their directive that, that, that came to them. As I was reading that, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, let's, let's teach the church some things based off this. And so you have to realize the only time you can see a star is at night. And if you're going to a place you've never been before, and the only directive process you have, no GPS, no Google, no Waze, no none of that. So how am I going to get there? The only way I know to get there is follow that star. And the only way I can see that star is at night. And so these magi, these wise men, were so hungry to find Jesus that they made a collective decision and they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do something we've never done before. How many of you understand to get to the best part of your life, you may have to be willing to do something you've never done before? Can anybody say amen to that? That was a weak amen, but I believe you're coming. All right, I'm going to trust you in that. You know, sometimes you're going to have to leave some people that have been that have been kind of holding you back to get to the best place God has in your life. Sometimes you're going to have to do some things differently. You're going to have to make some moves, make some decisions, be willing to take some risks. And so literally these wise men traveled at night. Their whole journey probably took place at night. That's the only way they could follow the star. So they were willing to say to get to this Jesus To get from where I am to where he is, I'm willing to walk in the dark. I'm willing to take a risk. I'm willing to step out. I'm willing to let my hunger for God override what what is my regular schedule, my normal way of doing things, what's my comfort zone. And and, and can I tell you, sometimes comfort is the greatest obstacle, obstacle for the revival God wants to bring in your life. I want to say that again. Comfort is oftentimes the greatest obstacle for the revival or to the revival that God wants to bring in your life. We have to be willing to shift, to do something different, to take a path, to trust God, to walk in the night, to have night vision. What's night vision? Well, night vision is simply realizing that God can lead us even when we can't see where we're going. Night vision means I believe God sees what I don't see. Does anybody believe that here today? Does anybody believe God can see some things you don't see? Does anybody believe he might know some things you don't know? All right. So night vision means we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. We trust God above our senses, above our familiarity, above the comfort, above the routine. We just trust him and and we're going to go. Our hunger for God, our desire 
to say, I want to know him more closely. I want to know him more deeply. I want to hear his voice more clearly. I want his impact on my life to be more dynamic. I'm willing to travel in the night. I'm willing to go through a season, a channel, a path that may be new to me, believing that God's going to do some, some great things. You know, many of us in this room today, think about it for a moment. On your journey to come to Jesus, you walked through some dark days, didn't you? How many have some hard days before you ever found Jesus? How many have some dark times before you found him? Anybody with me? Anybody ever had some days where you said, how am I going to get out of this? What does this mean? How does this end? Where do we go? Sometimes we walk through some dark places, but we found the Lord and he changed our life. Let's look in John chapter 1 and verse 1. John 1, 1. So I want you to get this concept. Laying some groundwork for you. I don't want to illustrate this. John chapter 1. I want you to turn there with me. We read this about Jesus coming. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. See that capitalized? In any authorized translation. Now there are a lot of paraphrases. Which means uh, basically one person's concept of scripture. But an authorized translation is where a group of Bible scholars studied the most ancient text available and, and together collectively translated from Hebrew, the Old Testament, and Greek, the primary language of the New Testament, into English. And it's great that we have these modern translations. Do you know that there, and if you said this, I love you anyway, okay? But uh, there's some people that have said, well, you know, if you're not preaching out of the King James translation, you're not really, you know, what spiritual. I've even heard someone say, don't say this again, all right? If it was good enough for Peter and Paul, it's good enough for me. Well, the King James translation happened in the 1500s. Peter and Paul were dead. I don't want to hurt you today to start the service off. but And if that's your preferred translation, I love it. I memorize all my scripture in the King James translation. I went to all my uh, formal training in college to get my degrees in that. But let me say this. Uh, the reason we have the King James translation, which is awesome, is that King James wanted the common man to be able to read the Bible. So he brought a group of the best Bible scholars together he had and said, translate this into English so everybody can read this Bible. What a great thing to do. It had been in Latin. It had been only read by a few people in the Catholic Church. And so he said, let everybody get this and read it. So that's what these translations do. So anytime you are reading an authorized translation, when it's speaking of God, a title for God, whether it be the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, that word will always be capitalized. That's something you can see. When you, when you, when the Bible says spirit, now there's evil spirit, there's human spirit, there's the Holy Spirit. In the authorized translations, when it speaks of the Holy Spirit, it's a capital S. Here, this is one of the titles given for Jesus. That's just a little lesson for you, but now you got this. That'll help you study. So look at this. In the beginning was the what? Is it capitalized? Word. So this is a title for God. What, what, what are we seeing here? In the beginning was the word. Everything starts with the word. Can you say amen to that? We're a church of the word and the spirit. Somebody say that word and spirit. That's who we are. We're going to follow that. We're going to, but we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit, follow his leading, and we're going to preach the words. Come, come on, say amen to that. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to change that. You're never going to walk in this church and I, and me tell you, well, we're not, we don't believe that anymore. That's not going to happen here. We're never going to come in and say, well, everybody voted this, so we stopped preaching that. That's not going to happen here. You know, we, we're, we're going to say, let God be true and every man be a liar. We're going to stay to the word of God. All right. So, so in the big, why? Because in the beginning was the word. Read this. And the word was with God and the word was God. Now, he was with God in the beginning. All right. 
He's, he's speaking of Christ. Now look at verse two or three. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus was, was the Godhead, the expression of God in the creation of this universe. Okay? Let's keep reading. Verse four. In him was life and that life was what? Light. That's life. That's the light we're looking for. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. And we know there's something better than this thing. His, that, that life is our light. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. Come on. We're talking about night vision. We're talking about walking in the night. We're talking about willing to walk by faith. And the Bible says the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness what? Cannot understand it. One translation, put the new one up, says cannot overcome it. How many are thankful that darkness can't overcome this light? That nothing the enemy does can overcome the word of God. Now, let's drop down to verse number 10. Speaking of Jesus, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Why? Because they're walking in darkness. Because there was no light. Because they couldn't see this truth. Verse 11. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive it. Yet to all who received him. How many have received him? How many received Jesus? This, look at your promise here. He, those who believed in him. His name. He gave you the right or the authority to become children of God. You have been authorized and adopted into the family of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. You have access and rights into everything he is. How many are thankful you're authorized? Children born, how did we do that? Not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but we're born of God. So what did Christmas mean? The word became flesh to the virgin birth, the immaculate conception, and made his dwelling among us. The message paraphrase. I like this. I always read a paraphrase along with the translation. The message paraphrase says. And he moved into the neighborhood. How many glad he moved into the neighborhood? Came to hang out for a while. He didn't just do a drive by. You know how the politicians do. When there's a hurricane. They drive by. You know. Give that parade wave. You ever notice that? President. Either, whether you're a public or Democrat. Don't get riled up on me right now. Okay. All of them. They come down, there's a hurricane in, 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 in Florida. They fly down on the Air Force One to get in the helicopter, then get in the armored car. Everybody's sweating and working and convoy of hope feeding people. Christians are doing what's supposed to be done. And the president comes by and gives us a parade wave. Come on. Jesus didn't come to earth and give a parade wave. Come on. Somebody tell the truth. He didn't come by. He moved in the neighborhood. Come on, somebody say, he lives in my hood. I like that. Come on. He moved into the hood. He walked right into the neighborhood. Why? Because he wanted us to see the glory of God. Look at this. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's the good news. There are going to be some times you and I walk through a dark moment. How many hear what I'm saying? Do you know that you just because life is a struggle right now does not mean you do not have faith? How many heard what I said? Just because you walk through a dark season does not mean God doesn't love you. How many heard what I just said? Just because you walk through a dark season doesn't mean something's wrong with you. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So in other words, the very fact that you're still walking in the darkness means you have faith. Sometimes you have to walk through the darkness to get to the place you need to go. There are going to be some night walks if you love God. How many understand that today? 
There are going to be some moments where it doesn't add up, where it doesn't make sense. There are going to be some moments where you do not like your surroundings. How many are hearing me? But that doesn't mean God's not with you. It doesn't mean that God's not for you. It doesn't mean that God's plan has stopped. We just have to understand there are moments like these wise men where you make a decision. Whatever I have to do to get to Jesus, I'm going to do it. Whatever nighttime I have to walk through, I'm going to walk through because I see Jesus on the other side of this thing. See, darkness does this. Darkness, have you ever noticed this, magnifies your fears. You know what you're really afraid of? You're not afraid of, of, of the dark. You're afraid of what's in the dark, right? You're, we're afraid of what's happening. That kids wake up in the middle of the night, they're afraid. Now, none of you adults do, but you just remember what that was like. The, the dark magnifies things. The dark multiplies things. I remember Jesse Duplantis telling us one time that in his early days of traveling as an evangelist, he, only the small churches would have him come and they couldn't afford to put him in a hotel. He had to stay in someone's house in a spare bedroom while he was there preaching. And he said one night he remembers he woke up in the middle of the night and he looked over in the corner and there was this dark shape in the corner just like this. And he said, just moving. He said, you know, the the devil's not going to scare me and stop me preaching. And so he said he started rebuking the devil and he rebuked the devil and it stopped. And then in a few minutes it started moving. He rebuked the devil. He said, I stayed up all night binding the devil. And he said, finally, when the morning light came on, I realized it was a coat hanging on a rack over there. And every time the air conditioner came on, it would blow the coat and start moving around. Some of us see stuff that's not there. Come on, tell the truth. Some of us, it gets a little dark and we get a little afraid. Tell the truth. I'm not just talking about nighttime. I'm talking about walking through the nighttime of your faith. Walking through the tough seasons of your life. Can I give you some good news when it gets dark in your journey of faith? Don't stop. Keep walking. Don't stay in that place. Come on, say it with me. Yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why would you stop where death hangs around? Why would you give up in that place? So don't stop when you're walking through the night. Listen to me. And don't adopt a darkness mentality. Refuse to shift your identity just because it's dark for a season. Don't become a dark believer. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about this. In other words, don't have a new identity. Well, I'm just a person who lives in the darkness. I'm just a person. God doesn't answer my prayer. I'm just a person. Life has shifted on me. I'm going to tell you something. You need to stop adopting the mentality of someone who lives in the dark and say, it's dark today, but I'm walking to tomorrow. It's not what I want right now, but I'm not going to stop here and I'm not going to adopt a new identity here. I realize that darkness magnifies and multiplies the whispers of the enemy. But because God is faithful, I can walk by faith and not by sight and get to the other side of this thing. Listen guys we are not of the darkness we're of the light. But sometimes we have to walk through the darkness. Right? We're not of it but we may be in it. I'm going to walk through it. Amen? Sometimes we have to recognize that as we walk through this we're growing stronger. How many are listening to me? We're developing our faith. We're trusting in God. We're moving through that season. What we get to on the other side is worth it every single time. Let's look at this. Look at Matthew chapter 14 with me for a moment. The disciples had to learn to travel in the darkness. Jesus did that intentionally. Look with me in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. 
How many of you think Jesus just might let you walk through the darkness to get to a better place in your life? So we gotta, we gotta think about that. How many might think Jesus just might be with you in the darkness and you didn't know he was there? Watching over you in the journey. So, so let's look at this. Matthew 14 and verse number 22. For, hey, by the way, just very quickly, let, let me say this. This was one of the hardest days in the life of Jesus. I'm going to, I'm picking up here, but let me tell you what happened that day. The news came to him. Your relative, John the Baptist has been beheaded. Shocking news. Terrible news. He loved John. They were very dear and close. John the Baptist was beheaded today. And the Bible says Jesus did what any of us would do. It said he wanted to withdraw to a place and be by himself. But as he tried to go find a place to grieve and deal with the loss of his friend and relative, the crowd followed him there. And and when he looked up, there were 5,000 men and their families, dozens, tens of thousands of people were there. Now his heart's broken. His heart's broken. And yet these people follow him and hear these thousands of people. And you know what he does? He teaches them and then he feeds all those people miraculously. And after that kind of day, when everything that he wanted to do, he had to just stay and be faithful. Then we go to verse number 22 in, 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 in Matthew 14 and we read uh, this. After everyone had been fed, verse 22, immediately, watch this, Jesus suggested. Oh. What? Do you see that? Jesus, is it up here? Made the disciples. With me? Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. Where? Okay. So he said, you're going to the other side. We, we have somewhere to go. Everybody with me? We have a plan. I'm going to send you someplace. You're going to get there. Now I want you to go on ahead of me. All right? So let's watch this. Then... Uh, when he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Finally, he got to have some time to pray. When evening came, uh, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves and because the wind was against it. Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake... They were excited and thank God Jesus has come to help us. No, so they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. They said and cried out in fear. Isn't it amazing how messed up your vision is when you start walking in the dark? Isn't it amazing what happens when you're not walking in faith? And one of the accounts of this, Jesus said, where's your faith, guys? Isn't it amazing that when we forget that God sent us on this journey, if I know I'm doing what God wants me to do, if I know I'm in the will of God, it doesn't matter what hell throws in my path. Amen? If you know you're walking in the purpose and the will of God for your life, it doesn't matter. So it's nighttime. And Jesus made them get in the boat. And Jesus said, we're going to the other side of the water. But as they were traveling in the night, a storm comes. Have you ever noticed in Scripture that most of the storms come at night? Most of the attacks of the devil come when you're having to walk by faith. Most of the, most of the strategies of hell are launched when you feel like you're all alone, when you're having to be where you don't want to be, when you're walking through an illness or loss or a, a family upset or a loss of a job or a financial issue. Do we not understand that's always when the devil comes because he's a thief and thieves come at night and they come to steal and kill and destroy. And what the enemy wants you to do is give up in the night. 
He wants you to quit in the night. He wants you to adopt a night mentality. So Jesus said, I need to teach you guys something. Get in this boat. We're going to the other side. And a storm comes. And Jesus comes to help them. Jesus comes to help them. And because they're so consumed with night, because they're so consumed with the storm, Jesus walks up and it scares them. Jesus walks up and they don't even recognize him. I wonder how many times in our journey with the Lord, Jesus came and we didn't even know it was him. I wonder how many times because we become so dark focused, so night focused, so fear focused that that Jesus sent an answer and we didn't even see it. So here he comes. All right. I want you to see it. These guys had to learn to walk at night. Uh, their vision was dull. They, they, they didn't even recognize Jesus. Now, you, you know Peter had an incredible encounter in the middle of this, right? He says, Lord, if it's you, let me walk. Jesus said, come on. You should be careful what you ask Jesus. He'll probably take you up on it. You know, some of you have made some deals with Jesus. You better be careful about those deals. Lord, if you heal so-and-so, I'll go to Siberia and preach. Hmm? Have you bought your coat? Got your passport in order? Because he's faithful on his side. What about your side? Don't play let's make a deal with God. Everybody listening to your pastor, want to help you. You know, there's some of you have asked God to do something. You know, oh, Lord, I want to take over Reinhard Bonnke. Oh, God, I want to be the next. I want to preach to two million people. In, in Nigeria, like Reinhard Bonnke did. Do you know the price Reinhard Bonnke paid to get there? You know the prayer life that he developed to get there? Do you know the faith he developed to get there? Come on, anybody with me? Do you know how Reinhard Bonnke started preaching? He was an unknown missionary in Africa. And had scheduled a great guest to come in. And, and do this crusade. He was so excited. We're going to have our first big crusade. He had been there for several years and really not had any breakthrough. And he brings a big guest in, a big well-known evangelist, revivalist. They'd made all the plans and the crusade and everything's ready. And 30 minutes before the first crusade service, he gets a phone call and the guy says, sorry, I can't come. He said, dear God, I'm ruined. It's over. These people are here. This is the end of it. I'm done. I might as well leave and go back to Germany. And he said, God said, Reinhardt, you preach. He said, well, no, I can't do that, God. I'm just this guy and I need that guy and I can't preach. And God said, Reinhardt, my word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my mouth. You go preach, Reinhardt. So everybody's wanting to be the next guy up. You might need to get ready because God may take you up on that (laughs) before you're ready. Before you're watching, how many listen to your pastor right now? See, sometimes, so Peter says, hey, Lord, I want to walk on that water. He says, come on. So everything's going good for a while. What happened? He started looking at the waves. It was a little too dark for him. Got his eyes back off. Of course, the Lord spared him. But here's what I want you to see. Let's look at verse 32. What happens? What happened? Why in the world would you walk through the darkness? Why if Jesus was there with you? Why if you already said you're going to the other side? Why would he let you walk through a little dark time? Because you're going to learn some things there you wouldn't learn any other place. You hear what I said? Your faith is going to reach a level it wouldn't reach any other place. So our question becomes, do we really want our faith to grow or do we just want to take the easy route? Okay, everybody with me? Thank you for all three of those. I'm going to ask you again. Do we, do we, I'm going to keep going anyway, okay? So do you really want your faith to grow or you just want to walk in the sunshine all the time? Are we willing to trust him when it gets dark? Are we willing to trust him when it's going to take something extra? 
because you're going to learn some things you wouldn't learn. Notice what happens. Look at verse 32. And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Verse 33. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You mean it all this time they've been with him? He just had one lunch and broke that and fed 20,000 people? He had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He had, he had taught them and walked with them and helped them and went with them. But they still weren't really convinced who he was. But one journey on a boat on a storm in the middle of the night. And what they never got in the daytime, they finally got at nighttime. What they'd never been able to fully get their arms around and understand. That encounter at night took their faith to another level. Took their revelation to another level. I want to encourage you right now. This moment you're walking in, if it's a little dark, don't be afraid. And don't stop and don't be uh, uh, intimidated because you're about to discover something about God that's greater than you've ever known in your life before. You're about to recognize His greatness and His power and His ability on a level that you've never experienced before. So night vision is not just walking with doubt and fear and unbelief. It's recognizing if God sent me over, God's going to get me there. He may do it in a way that is unexpected. You don't get to see Jesus walking on the water in the daytime. That's kind of a nighttime activity for him. You don't get to see these miracles happen when everybody else is looking. They happen. Think of this when it takes some night vision to encounter it. When you have this moment where the Lord reaches out and turns that around. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm going to stay on board in the nighttime. I'm going to believe God in the nighttime. I'm going to be there to see God do something incredible in my life. God's not trying to destroy your faith right now. God's building your faith right now. God's not pushing you away from him. Jesus was right there with them. But they began to discover something different. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I want to show you this. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 8. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 8. I want you to follow this. This was a moment in David's life. It was the lowest moment in David's life. 1 Samuel 30. I want you to find that with me. I want you to go to verse number 8. 1 Samuel 30 verse 8. David, you know, had been anointed and chosen by God to be the next king. David had done nothing but excel, serve Saul, the king who had lost the anointing and lost the presence of God. David had been faithful, but now Saul's jealousy because he saw the hand of God on David's life. Saul was literally trying to kill David. David is hiding as a fugitive. He's had 400 men come out and join him. And they were at this present time living in a city called Ziklag, hiding from Saul in another country. He and his men had gone out to battle. They came back three days later. And when they arrived, they found the entire city where their families had been left burned to the ground. Their wives and children stolen, taken into human trafficking. Their goods gone. It was the lowest day of his life. Not only was that bad, the Bible says David and his men wept until they had no more strength. And then the Bible says his men began to accuse him and doubt him and turn on him. And talk of killing him. It was the worst day of his life. But I want to tell you something. You always have a choice. Does somebody hear me? You always have a choice. The men chose bitterness. The men chose to give up. The men chose to do it their way. But the Bible says David 
said, I've got to get a word from the Lord. I have to hear what God is saying to me. My heart is broken. I wept till I have no more tears left. The last few men on this planet are now saying they're going to kill me. I have no one left but the Lord. Is anybody listening to me today? But I'm going to see what God has to say. First Samuel 30 and verse 8. This is what David did. David uh, comes and David inquired of the Lord. Somebody see that? David inquired of the Lord. Lord, what shall I do? Shall I pursue this raiding party? These that took my family, should I pursue them? What should I do? Will I overtake them? What did God say to him? He said, pursue them. The Lord answered, and you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. One translation says, David, you will recover everything the enemy's taken away from you. How many are ready to recover everything the enemy has ever taken away from you? Family, money, finances, integrity, marriage. This, this is what we're dealing with here. He said, David, I, you've lost everything, but God had a word for him. You go pursue. You go after them, David, and I'm going to get recover all. Now let's drop down to verse 17. I want to show you something. When David caught up with those men who had taken everything dear to him, verse 17, David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. David fought all night. David fought all night. Are you with me here? David fought all night. He fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away. Except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David, are you reading verse 18? Recovered what? Everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Do you understand? There are going to be some moments, listen to me church, where you have to make a decision. I'm going to fight through this night. I'm going to fight this battle. Some of you may need to walk the floor and pray all night. Is anybody listening to me? It may take more than five minutes. It may take more than a here and a there. David fought all night in his faith. David had to fight. David found that which the enemy has taken from him and said, I'm going to fight. Guys, listen to me. There are going to be moments when it's dark. When the enemy is close, when he has stolen things, and the difference will be, will I stay here and fight for what God gave me? Will I stay on board? Listen, the devil has to come to a place for your life and mine where we realize, no matter what you do to me, you're not going to steal my faith away from God. No matter what I lose, you're not going to take my faith. Is anybody with me? No matter what I've lost, I'm going to fight all night until I get it back again. You know, the devil wants to know, what will it take to stop you? What will it take to keep you home from church? What will it take to shut your Bible? What will it do to turn off your worship? What will it take to rob your faith? What will it take to turn your back on God? We have to be find ourselves as men and women who say, if I lose everything, I'm going to get a word from God. I'm going to see what God has to say. I'm going to pursue this. I may have to fight all night. It's not easy and it's not pretty. But on the other side of this, God said, I can recover everything the devil has stolen away from me. I'd like to see that spirit come on America again. I'd like to see the church, forget America, the church in America again. I'm getting tired of all these prophets telling us how good everything's about to be. And how many elections we're going to win. And how it's all going to go that way. Last time I checked, it hasn't gone that way on any of those. What we need 
to do is raise up a new breed of people who will stop telling us what we want to hear and tell us you better fight. You better get your Bible out. You better get your word out. You better get your worship on. I don't care if you like it or not. But you better get something and you better stand because if we're going to take this nation back, it will not be in the White House. It will not be in the State House. It will be in the Church House where the family of God finally rises up and said, I'm tired of the night. I'm tired of the darkness. I'm tired of losing. I'm going to fight on my knees with my faith until the things the devil stolen, I brought them back. I'm going to tell you, can America be saved on the other side of this darkness we're in? There's a light of revival and awakening, but somebody is going to have to get a word from God. Someone's going to have to say, I'm going to fight this battle until we get everything back. The devil's stolen from me. I believe God can still do it. I believe God can still save your family. I believe God can still turn all this around. But it's going to happen when we fight through the night. When we say, I'm going to pursue this. It's not just going to church and shouting. It's not just going to some conference and hallelujah. And it's not just dancing and singing. It's trusting God when tears are coming down your face. It's staying faithful to God when you don't feel like being faithful. Anybody listening to me? It's when you lock in and say, you know what? If hell comes, if every demon in hell comes, if the devil himself comes, I'm going to trust my God. I'm going to fight through the night. On the other side of this thing, I'm going to be standing. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find Jesus right there with you. You're going to find the faithfulness of God in this situation. Anybody believe? You have something worth fighting through the night over. Anybody? I believe we do. I believe we do that. I want to take you one place and we're going to end and pray today. First Samuel chapter 3. Turn there. First Samuel. We're in 30. Go to 3. First Samuel 3. I want you to see this with me today. First Samuel chapter 3. It's important, church family, that we realize the night cannot destroy us. The night cannot defeat us if we'll get that word from the Lord. If we'll trust in Him. If we're willing to walk when it doesn't feel good. Walk when it doesn't... It's not what we want to see. We're believing on the other side. First Samuel 3. Very quickly, let me give you the, uh, the setting of this chapter. Uh, Samuel's mother had been barren. And uh, she had prayed for a child. Her husband had a second wife. And she had children. Became an adversary. Now... Just in case anybody's a new believer or new to church or new to the Bible, some of the things they did in the New Testament aren't allowed. In, in the Old, some of the things they did in the Old Testament aren't allowed in the New Testament. You can't have but one wife. And anybody that thinks you ought to have more than one is a knucklehead. Any man that thinks you can handle more than one wife, you're probably, part of my language, one of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life. You know... This is what you know about women. Okay. So this internal controversy is happening. And she's desperate. And she's praying, God, give me a child. God, give me a child. Give me a son. She's praying. And God gives her a promise. I'm going to give you a son. She says, God, here's one of these deals and these things you asked for. Better make sure you do it. She said, God, if you give me a son... I'll give him back to you. He'll be a priest. I'll, I'll give you the boy. If you just give me a son. Break this curse off me, God. That's what they considered it. So she gave the boy to the priesthood. Listen closely. Unfortunately, Eli, the priest, had allowed his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, 
to completely make a mockery of the priesthood. They were despicable. They were thieves. They were whoremongers. They abused everything holy. So much so that God said to them and to Eli, this is it for you and your family. You'll never have another priest. You're going to die because of these things. Horrible. And that little boy was dropped into that setting because his mom had said, I'm going to give him to the Lord. So let's look in chapter 3, verse 1. We're talking about what we do in the night. We're going to end with this today. Verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was a priest. His sons had completely made a mockery of the things of God. Now watch what happens because of that. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. What else happened? There were not many visions. It was dark spiritually. Are you with me? The nation was under the darkness of the debauchery of their spiritual leaders. It was dark. This little boy is in this place, okay? Verse 2, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak, oh, he could barely see. See this old thing passing? Are you with me? See the ungodly order? Can't see. Can't see. No vision. Lost his place. This man that's supposed to be a leader has lost it. And so it's all about spiritual darkness. So, but when was this first two? One, what? One night. Night vision. One night. Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. So much in that verse. Verse three. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Supposed to always be burning in the temple in the house of God. There's just one flame left. It's a dark night, but there's one flame left. There's still some light. Are you with me? The priests have to keep that light burning. Let's keep reading. There was, the flame had not gone out. But look at this. Samuel, now Eli the priest is laying down somewhere, but look where the boy is. This new thing, this new thing God was doing, this hope that God was sending in the midst of the dark night. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Wow. You see that? Where was this thing that was coming? In the presence of God. Where was this thing God was doing? In the presence of God. Although there was darkness all around them. Let me help you. Your family may have been dark when you grew up. There may have been no spiritual light where you grew up. You may not have known what God was and who he was and what it was like. You may not have seen the right things. Are you listening to me? This little boy was in a corrupt place. But here's the good news. Even in the midst of that corruption. In the presence of God there was some light. In the presence of God, there was some future. In the presence of God, there was some hope. And so, so the little boy is, is laying there where the ark of God was. And look at verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You call me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You call me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lay down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. See, this little boy had never heard this from God yet. This dark spiritual place he had never seen. He would never heard it, even in the house of the leader. He, he didn't know the word of God. But I want you to see that even in the nighttime, or you're listening to me, God was speaking to him. Even in the nighttime when everyone else had failed God, God was speaking to him. 
What you need to know today, it doesn't matter how many people failed around you. God will find you in your nighttime and speak to you. And God will find you where it's dying over here and bring life over there. Is anybody with me right now? Verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Finally, blind, dying, drifting Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came. Come on, say that out loud. The Lord came. Where did God come? In the darkness. Where did God come when all the adults had failed? Where did God come when the leadership was corrupt? Where did God come when there was a little boy? Who had the presence of God in his life. Who had a calling on his life. Where does God come? No matter what's happened to us. No matter how dark the moment seems. You get in the presence of God. And God's going to speak to you. God's got a word for you. God's going to bless you where you are. Are you encouraged by that? God's going to step into that moment. God's looking for that. See, see, uh, Samuel became the greatest of the prophets. Of the priest, pardon me. But here's the thing you have to understand. He wasn't even of the right lineage. He wasn't born into the priesthood family. You had to succeed a priest because you were in his family. And God says, I'm going to break my own rules. I'm going to step over my own guidelines. I'm going to move through what everybody calls the status quo. And I'm going to find somebody that loves me. I'm going to find a little boy that can trust me. I'm going to, I'm going to turn my hand off what's fading. And I'm going to put something on. Now God can do that in your life. You can let God move the old thing out of your life. And put his hand on the new thing. You hear what I'm saying? He doesn't have to find another person. He just says, let me find someone who's ready. Let me find somebody in the presence of God. And God will move that old seed out of your life and put the new one in so the Lord came and stood there calling as at other times Samuel Samuel then Samuel said speak for your servant is listening I want to call our worship team up and I want you to stand with me would you stand with me I want to give us a moment to to engage his word here today I don't want you to leave I just want you to stand I want to I want to stop there I'm going to I'm abbreviate what I have prepared because I believe there's a moment here That God wants to speak to you. That God wants to reach into this moment in your life and remind you he's for you, not against you. For God to step into this moment and you and I to realize that that when God is ready to do something, when God is looking for that person, it doesn't matter what others have done. It doesn't matter what failures have been around your life. God's going to do that. There's a verse when, when the musicians in our worship team come. I want to read to you. From, from Psalm 134, it talks about those who stand by night in the house of the Lord and worship. You know, there's something that God's looking for today. He wants to talk to somebody in the dark right now. He wants to speak to somebody walking through the nighttime. And the Bible says those that stand by night in the house of the Lord and worship, there's a blessing that comes on their life. So today... In the face of what may be a night season in your life, I'm going to ask you to stand up and worship God. I'm going to ask you to say, God, here I am. I'm going to tell you the night doesn't last, but the word of God does. How many hear your pastor today? The night has to go, but the word will stand forever. I'm going to tell you, don't give up today. Don't turn away today. Don't let the failures of people around you keep you from hearing the goodness and the greatness of a mighty God. 
I want to be Samuel today. What about you? I want to be the little boy that hears the voice of God. I, I want to be the one in the midst of everybody around me failing. God, I, I hear you. Speak to me. Would you say that to God right now? Just whisper that. In. Say, God, speak to me. Your servant's here. Speak to me, God. Speak to me, God. My life is yours. I've been living in a dark place. Can you imagine what that little boy saw? Can you imagine what he had to endure? Can you imagine the abusive dysfunction that he was living in? But God is faithful. He's greater. He's bigger. He can cut through those failures. You can hear him. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.